Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hello, I'm Jim Richards. Welcome to this week's Cyber Church Ministry. Man, you know what? I love speaking to you every week. If something's happening in your life, send me a testimony. Pop me an email in here. Go to our website. Man, I love not only hearing about what's going on in your life, but I love sharing it with other people so other people can be encouraged. Today, I'm going to be talking about the prison of perception. Man, you want to get out. You want to break out of prison. You want to get past where you are. You want to suddenly be introduced to a world that's full of opportunity. Well, I'll tell you what. It starts by changing your perception. And changing your perception is all about dealing with your heart. I'll tell you, the world around you doesn't have to change for it to get better. What's got to change is your capacity to look into the world around you and see opportunity, see God, see and hear the voice of God. Listen, this is going to be a very important message for you. Call your friends, get your family together, and I'll be right back. Be sure and take advantage of the free download, the devastating power of pain, because I'm not just going to talk about pain. I'm going to show you how to get past your pain. All right, we're going to be talking about the prison of perception. But, you know, really, we probably should have been talking about breaking out of the prison of perception. Now, I'm going to tell you something. One of the most important truths that I ever incorporated into my life. I'm not saying I memorized it so I could quote it to other people. I'm not saying, you know, I wrote it down so I could use it in a sermon. I'm talking about it was something that I incorporated into the way I viewed the world around me. And I will never forget when this became a reality to me, and that is that I don't see anything as it really is. I just see it how I see it. Now, I want to tell you something. You're talking about something that removes offenses from your life. It's when you stop assuming that how you see something is how it really is. You know, even though we're talking about perception, which is beyond just physical eyesight, you want to understand this. You don't see with your eyes. Your eyes take in lights. They have nerve endings or nerve rods that bring in light. But your brain is what determines what you see. This means that regardless of what is happening around you, your brain can interpret that based on many variables that causes it to look like something to you that probably isn't even really happening. Well, you know what? That's the same thing that happens in your heart. See, perception, and perception is more about how you interpret the world. Your perception is created by your heart. So uh, when I'm trying to understand the world around me, just like my eyes, what they take in, the information they take in is interpreted by my brain. And my brain thinks that it's seeing the interpretation of what my eyes are actually seeing. Same way with your heart. Your heart thinks that the world around you means what it means in your own heart, in your own belief. So your perception is created by your heart. Your heart is, of course, the seat of your self-worth. And your self-worth is the lens, not just your self-worth, but your identity, your self-worth, your self-confidence, your identity, your sense of self, is the lens 
through which you view and interpret everything that happens in the world around you. So your perception, the way you understand the world around you, is actually being interpreted to match what you believe about yourself, who you believe you are, what your self-worth really is. And so then you relate to that perception of the world, that perception of the events around you, as if they are true. And this perception is the prison we all live in. This perception establishes the boundaries that determine how we interpret reality. Now, remember, I said this last week, Jesus began his ministry by emphasizing the fact that the Spirit of the Lord was on him or anointing him uh, so that he could preach good tidings to the poor or to the meek. And the meek are those that are teachable. Their heart is open. It's the opposite of those who are obstinate and proud. And they went on to say, he has sent me to heal the broken heart. Because you've got to understand something. Until your heart is healed, you do not have the capacity to see God as he is or to see yourself as God really says that you are. And until you see and experience and perceive yourself uh, the way God sees you, then you can't see God as he really is. So Jesus goes on, and, and if you didn't, listen, if, if you're not keeping up with these messages, go back on our website. They're always there for free for you to view. You can use them in your Bible studies, in your home groups. You can use them in, in your church groups. And uh, if you want to use them for anything commercial, you have to get our permission. But other than that, this is all there for free to serve and to bless you. And with my messages, it's always best to get them from the beginning to the end because I'm always building one truth on another truth to bring you to the place where you can easily uh, find your freedom and find your victory. So he also says that the Spirit of the Lord is upon him to proclaim liberty to the captives. Now, when we read those scriptures in the book of Luke, where they're first mentioned, we immediately jump to the idea that the captives are those people who are demon-possessed. Now, listen, we know that Jesus cast out demons, but in the context of this passage of Scripture, this is not what he's talking about. Uh, and if you go back to Isaiah, where it came from, you know that's not what it was talking about. And in fact, we know that when he talked about opening the blind eyes, he's not talking about physically blind eyes here, even though there's plenty of other Scriptures that support that. And Jesus opened blind eyes. And you know what? In my crusades around the world, I have seen people with blind eyes get healed. I've seen demon-possessed people get set free. So it's not that I'm uh, refuting that reality. I'm just saying in the context of this scripture, this is not what Jesus is talking about. When he talks about proclaiming liberty to captives, let's bring this back in the context. The context is these are the people who have a broken heart. These are the people whose hearts have been walked on, stepped on, and because, as we talked about last week from the book of Jeremiah, they have these footprints all over their heart which make their heart chaotic and hard to understand. It makes them hard for them to perceive the truth. And so proclaiming liberty or freedom to the captives it really gets down to this. He is saying to you, because of what I have done for you, and at that time he hadn't already gone to the cross, but this was his message and this is what he did with his life. He went to the cross. So the real truth for us is not that Jesus will set you free. The real truth is Jesus has set you free. Every person in the world has had their freedom 
purchased. Now, that doesn't mean every person saved. That doesn't mean every person is living in that freedom. It means that freedom is theirs, and if they will believe the truth about what God did for them, they can discover that freedom. Now, those who are captive because of their broken heart, like I say, this captivity is not what the devil does to us. It's what our heart does to us because we live within the limits of our faith, and faith is all about our heart. It's trusting God in your heart. So faith, and you know, I almost hate to use the word faith because again, we interpret that or translate that from our religious mindset, our religious perspective. But faith, the capacity to love, the capacity to trust, all of this is about the condition of our heart. And that's why Proverbs 4.23 says, keep or guard or protect your heart with all diligence. Be diligent. Don't ever let your shield down when it comes to guarding and protecting your heart. Because you know what? All it takes is one horrible event in your life that you expose yourself to that affects your heart and the rest of your life. You may never be normal again. The rest of your life, you may never have a good relationship. The rest of your life, you may live in pain and sorrow or paranoia or guilt or shame or suicidal tendencies. I'm telling you, you have to guard your heart if you you want to be happy, if you want to be fulfilled, if you want to live a great life. But he goes on to say in the book of Proverbs, he says, for out of it, out of your heart, spring the issues of life. And as I've told you hundreds of times, that word issues could just as well have been translated as boundaries. And what he's saying is, is the boundaries in our life are established by the beliefs of our heart. So when he talks about setting you free from captivity, he's talking about setting you free from this prison or these boundaries that you have established because of what you believe in your heart. Now, because of what you believe in your heart, it alters your perception. He goes on to say in the next part of of this verse in Isaiah 61, he says, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Now, if you read this in context and if you read other scriptures about the prison, the prison is the darkness that comes from our perception. Isaiah 42, 6 and 7 says, I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people, talking about Jesus, and I will also give you to the people as a light to the Gentiles to open blind eyes and to bring out prisoners from the prison, those who sit in darkness from the prison house. So I want you to understand, he's talking about people who are sitting in a darkness and the problem is the door has already been opened, but because they are blinded by their beliefs, they're blinded by the pain of their past, they're blinded by all of these things that brought about their broken heart, and they can't even perceive that the door is open. They can't even perceive that there is a way out of their circumstances. But I got news for you. With God, there's always a way out. And with God, as you begin to believe His truth, you we'll begin to see that there is a way out. Listen, I'll be back in just a minute. Don't go away. You know, freedom from emotional debt is one of those series that you're going to work through stuff. You're going to deal with things. In fact, I'm going to give you access to some free exercises that I'm going to teach you to do that will instantly eradicate pain and instantly free you from the manipulation of the past. Listen, you don't want to spend the rest of your life making emotional payments on the pain of the past. You want to get set free and you want to live a great life. 
You know, there's no telling how many people have had somebody lay hands on them, stand over them, scream at them forever, and they get up and they go away and they still feel like there's something wrong with them. I know people that have begged me for years and years and years to cast demons out of them, when in truth, yeah, they were in a prison, but the prison was all about their beliefs. Listen, I don't mind taking somebody through deliverance if discernment of the spirits shows me that they need deliverance. You know, I don't mind that. But you know what? I have discovered that uh, the Word of God is what sets believers free. Believing the truth in your heart is what sets you free. And you don't want to get on this counseling cycle, and I'm not against counseling, but you don't want to get to where every time you've got a problem, you're running to somebody to try to fix you and get you through this problem. You don't want to get in that deliverance cycle of, of running, 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 trying to find somebody who's got enough anointing to finally get you free. Listen, Jesus said, if we would believe the truth, if we would put the truth into practice, that we would be disciples, and then the truth would set us free. And so, if Jesus has already done everything that we need, and he has to set us free, then all we need to do is believe the truth about that in our heart. Now, in Luke's gospel, he talks about, when he quotes Isaiah 61, he goes on to make reference to opening the blind eyes. And like I said, you know, the whole concept of blindness is a blurred vision or the, the inability to see clearly. And while Jesus opened a lot of blind eyes, so I'm not refuting that, and I've seen blind eyes open in crusades around the world, that is not what the scripture is talking about. This is still talking about the person who is in prison because of their blindness, because of their inability to see clearly. They cannot, you know, the circumstances of their life interpreted by the pain of their past is so overwhelmingly clear, so overwhelmingly true that they cannot perceive anything other than I am in the prison of this pain and I'm going to be here the rest of my life. But the darkness of the prison is the blindness of perception. The prison doors have been opened. When Jesus was raised from the dead, the prison doors were opened. But we sit in the darkness of our perception, and we don't realize that we could get up and walk out any time. And you know what? A lot of that is because of what religion has told us. A lot of that is because of the pain that we have in our past, like I say, in the circumstances of life. There's a lot of things that have fed into us thinking, I am trapped here and I cannot get out of here. I, listen, I got news for you. If people would believe this truth, there would be no more minority mentality anywhere in the world. In other words, people who think that because of their color, their education, their economic background, who think that they never have an opportunity, I got news for you. If we all saw ourselves the way God saw us, we would open our eyes and suddenly realize, you know what? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what kind of opposition I've had. It doesn't matter how I've been mistreated. It doesn't matter how people have wronged me. I am free. The prison door is open. I can be who I want to be. I can go where I want to go. I can live my dreams. I can have success. That's what Jesus came to do. And, you know, there's absolutely no place in the gospel, there's no place in the kingdom of God for blaming other people. Even if they did do us wrong, there's nowhere for blaming other people to justify us settling for a life that is less than what Jesus came and promised us to have. You know, in Mark chapter 6, I think it's incredibly interesting where Jesus was going to feed the multitudes and... and uh, Many of you have heard me tell this story before, Mark 6, 41, 42, particularly, where he has them gather up, you know, five loaves and two fish. And so he's going to feed 
5,000 men, which means there might have been 5,000 wives there. That would be 10,000 people. And if they brought any of their kids with them, there could have been 15 or 20,000 people there easily. And all he had was five loaves and two fish. Now, when you understand what this says in the original language, man, you're talking about an eye-opener. It says uh, in Mark 6:41, it says that he looked to heaven blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fish he divided among them all, so they all ate and were filled. Now, you know, you read this, and you know, there's the obvious miracle that you see. Man, you obviously see what Jesus did. Man, you, you see that he multiplied the bread and the fish. But there's something that's hidden in the original language because, you see, Jesus is sitting there with whatever resources he has. And there are limited resources. There's absolutely not enough to meet the needs that are in front of him. So he's looking at his resources. He's looking at the need. And I don't know about you, but there's been a lot of times when it came to paying my bills or getting healed from some sickness or solving some relationship problem where I would look at my resources compared to the need or the demand. I think, man, there is no way that I can see to get out of this. But you know something? I'm alive. I'm well. I'm here. Evidently, there's always a way if we can have our eyes open. So when it says here that Jesus looked to heaven, in the original language, basically, it says that he looked up and recovered sight. So you see, Jesus was looking at the resources, the limited resources and the circumstances, but at some point, he had to see this from God's perspective. And when he saw this from God's perspective, you know, I want you to understand something real interesting. You know, God didn't send him some new fish and some new bread. In other words, it wasn't like he had to go find some new way to do this or new resources or resources that had to come from here. Once he could recover his sight, then he could speak a blessing into the situation. And he's saying, you know, I've got news for you. Man, you're sitting in horrible circumstances. You've been treated wrong. People have taken advantage of you, used you, lied to you, whatever they've done to you. I want you to understand something. You don't need something to happen to all those people. You don't really need for anything to happen with all those circumstances. You need to be able to use your authority as a believer to bless your life where you are. And suddenly you will see that your resources are far greater than these limitations that you have perceived. They're far greater. You know, this is the whole concept of where sin abounds, grace is much more abounding. In other words, it doesn't matter how big the problem is, the life and power and capacity of God is greater than anything that you and I are ever going to face. And so then Jesus goes on, and we talked about this, to say that the anointing is on him to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, I want you to understand that the acceptable year of the Lord is the year of Jubilee. This is the year. Remember, we're defining emotional debt as every time you have a pain in the past, every time something goes wrong, you have this hurt, and this hurt gets stored somewhere. Literally, the Bible tells us and science tells us that this becomes part of our cellular memory. This gets imprinted on the cells of our entire body. And these memories are within us. And I'm telling you, if you don't send them away, if you don't get set free from them, if you don't get healed from them, if something doesn't happen to free you from there, they will be there the rest of your life. And what will happen is every time you have an opportunity for freedom or joy or happiness or success, you'll lose that. And that will be your payment on the interest for all of that emotional debt from your past 
that didn't ever get paid off. Now, Jesus came to say, I am going to the cross and I am going to suffer for you. And really in the book of Isaiah, when it talks about the sickness and disease that Jesus took on him, that is not only physical infirmities, the Hebrew language tells us these are emotional and mental infirmities. In other words, Jesus took the pain. And you may say, well, great, I'm glad he did that, but I've still got the pain myself. Well, you know something? This is where the exchange comes in. This is where believing what he did. You see, when we come to Jesus, when we believe what he did, really from the cross to the throne, we believe what happened in there and how he became our sin, how he took all of our punishment, how he fought all of our battles, how he won all of our victories, and we can now believe into him. In other words, if we believe that he did all this and God raised him from the dead, then by that faith, we will be baptized into him, which means now we have access to all of his resources that he has through the resurrection. And now we are alienated from all of our sin, all of our pain, all of our suffering that took place. Now, I want to tell you, you can't hold on to that stuff as an excuse to keep being dysfunctional. You can't hold on to all that stuff to get attention and get people to feel sorry for you. You can't hold on to all of that stuff and live in freedom. And many times people do. People are afraid to let go of their past because the past kind of defines them. I want to tell you something. Everything else in the book of Isaiah from this point on in this passage it talks about this exchange where God says, I want to comfort those who mourn. I want to give them beauty for ashes. I want to give them the oil of joy for mourning. I want to give them the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they'll be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Listen, there is an exchange that takes place when you believe what Jesus did for you from the cross to the throne. And let me tell you something. If you're not clear on this, you can get my series, Three Days That Changed the World, or you can read my book, The Gospel of Peace. And I've got all kinds of free resources on our website that you can go to, impactministries.com. You can go to, and there's all kinds of teachings and free resources to help you understand what Jesus has done for you. But at some point, you have got to discover the truth about what Jesus did for you, and you have got to choose to believe that. Whether you feel it, whether you like it, whether you don't like it, you know, sometimes you just look at God, I have no idea that this can make a difference. You choose to believe it, and you make that choice. Father, I am trusting you. I am trusting what you did for me through the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm trusting that greater than my circumstances, greater than my pain, greater than my past. I am choosing what Jesus did for me. I choose to believe that he became my sin, died in my place. I choose to believe that he took the punishment that I deserve. I choose to believe that he left all of that in the grave and by his faith was raised from the dead and left all of my sin, all of my pain. Everything is unpleasant. He left there in the grave and raised up and I am in him and I can live in him, have my being in him. That's what you gotta choose. Listen, I'll be back with a mentoring moment. Don't go away. We won't put this into practice. I want you to know Jesus paid for all the pain of your past, all the emotional pain, all the physical pain. He buried it. He left it dead in the grave and raised up. It is time for you to enter into your year of Jubilee where all of your emotional past is paid. 
You know, one of the most phenomenal things that happens when we experience the love and mercy of God, the kindness of God, is if we truly experience it, we always want other people to experience it. You know something, if you're wanting to take this message to the world, I gotta tell you, this is the only antidote there is for what's happening out in the world, the gospel of peace, the unconditional love of God, the grace of God. If we don't take this message to the world, who will? I need you to help me. I need you to send me a contribution or become a world changer. I need for you to get on board with me because the days are short and we have got to take this gospel to the ends of the earth. And people knowing the love of God in these troubled times is going to be the stability that keeps them from slipping over the edge as the world crumbles around us. Listen, Jesus wants us to be stable. He wants to have peace. He wants us to be overcomers no matter what happens. And I want you to help me plant that in the world. You know, for some of you, this may be incredibly foundational, but what I've found is that we have to make sure our foundation is absolute. And so I want to just talk to you just a few minutes about believing what Jesus did for you on the cross. When Jesus was hung on the cross, he was a man and always yet without sin. And he lived a sinless life. And when he was hung on that cross, the Bible says that God poured on him the iniquity of us all. He literally became our sin. I don't understand how that happened. I can't explain all of it, but it happened. And then he suffered all of the results, the consequences, the punishment, whatever you want to call it, that we would have to suffer if that had not taken place. So this means that he was alienated from God, so we wouldn't have to be alienated from God. This means that he died the death of a sinner so that we would not have to die the death of a sinner. This means that he became all of the curse of the law, so we do not have to live in the curses. This means that he went to uh, Hades, the abode of the wicked dead, so we would never have to go there. It means that he used his faith to overcome death. He used his faith to be raised up into his true identity so that we would never have to fight that battle. He ascends from the grave, he ascends into heaven, and he totally strips Satan of all principality, power, and might and cast him out so that we would never have to fight that battle with Satan. And then he sits down at the right hand of God, receives an inheritance so that we would never have to believe for that inheritance. Because he has done all of those things when we believe on him as the scripture says you know that he did this and God raised him from the dead when we believe on him something happens in our heart that influences our sense of identity of who we are but the second step is because we believe that then we confess him as Lord and that confession is a commitment it's an acknowledgement and it's a surrendering of our life to him as Lord which says because of all that you've done for me I I can trust you because you're good and you're only good. I can trust you. So now I'm going to follow all of your teachings. You are my Lord. I'm your disciple. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.